brought your Bibles this morning, and I hope that you have. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 2. Now, for those of you that are in in the Bible study class, uh, you'll notice that's where we've been studying also. Um, Actually, I think this is the first time I've ever preached from the same passage of Scripture that we're studying in Bible study, but that's all right. Matthew chapter 2, it's that time of year, right? I want to talk about and acknowledge uh, the season that we are entering into, the Christmas season, uh, what it's about. I want to try to, I believe, I believe the Lord would have us to have the right frame of mind and, and the right uh, thinking about things, looking at things uh, the way that he'd have us to. Matthew chapter 2, I just want to read the first three verses and then we'll go to the Lord together in a word of prayer. Matthew chapter 2, verse 1 says, Now when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and are come to worship him. When Herod the king had heard these things, he was troubled. In all Jerusalem with him. That last part, he was troubled in all Jerusalem with him. That's where our sermon will come from this morning. Will you bow your heads with me? Let's go to the Lord together in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we just humbly come before you here this morning. We thank you, Lord, for the good day and for the many blessings. Thank you for the opportunity you've given us to gather here this morning to worship you in spirit and truth. Thank you for this church, for the roof you put over our head. Thank you, Lord, for our church family, everyone who's made the effort to come out this morning. Thank you, Lord, for the blessings you've poured out on us. But we thank you most of all for your son, Jesus, Lord God, that you sent him and that you give him so that we might have life and have our life eternally and abundantly. God, we're not worthy. We don't deserve it. We couldn't do enough. We couldn't even, if we spent the rest of our lives, it still wouldn't be enough thanking you. But Lord, I pray that we would all be a people with praise and glory on our lips. We'd give you the praise that you alone are due. And so Lord, I just pray as we go forward here this morning. Lord, you know the hearts of each one of us that's here. There's nothing hidden from you. No surprises to you here this morning. And so Lord, I'm just praying that you would move upon the hearts of each one of us here this morning. God, that you would do what only you can do in the midst of this service. And we'll give you every bit of the glory for it. So Lord, I'm asking any that are separated from you, any that have strayed, any that are uh, straggling, any that are lost and undone, Lord, let today be the day that they would repent and get things right with you before it's everlasting too late. And Lord, I pray, Lord, for those that are maybe just need to be encouraged for the broken heart, those that need a healing touch in their body, whatever it might be, Lord, we know that it's not beyond your abilities. And so, Lord, we just ask that you'd reach down and touch them this morning. And God, I pray that each one would leave here this morning knowing that they've been in your presence and that they've heard from you. And so, Lord, I just pray. Uh, Lord, one last thing, I need your help. Not only do I need strength for my voice here this morning, but Lord, I'm asking for your holy unction, for your anointing. Lord, I'm praying, Lord, that you'd clear my mind of everything but your thoughts, your words. Place on my tongue the very things you'd have me to say. God, that you'd fill me full of your Holy Spirit. Pour your anointing out this morning, and we'll be sure and give you every bit of the glory for it. Lord, we love you. We worship you. We praise your holy name. 
We ask it all in the precious and holy name of Jesus. Amen. I, uh, if it would be all right, I'd like to use for an illustration this morning uh, the Grinch who stole Christmas. Now, I did not, let me just go ahead and make my disclaimer or apology or whatever. I did not realize until last year when Cassie pointed it out to me that I used the Grinches a lot at this time of year as an illustration. I, did, I hadn't realized that until she'd mentioned something about it and how I, there was part of it that I had memorized and you don't get it memorized unless you say it or use it a lot. And anyways, uh, I guess that's true. I guess I do. Maybe it's because I relate to him so much. I don't know. I've always had that Grinch streak in me. Uh, it made me curious uh, as I got to thinking about this because I wanted to use the Grinch as, a, as an illustration for this sermon here this morning. And I got to thinking about that and uh, I was, you know, looked it up and of course we know what the word you know, Grinch means and all that. We're probably all familiar with the story of the Grinch who stole Christmas. It was actually a Dr. Seuss book first that he wrote in 1957. Uh, Theodore Geisel is, is his name, uh, is Dr. Seuss's real name. Dr. Seuss is the name that he writes under, his pen name. Uh, Seuss is actually his mother's maiden name. Didn't know any of that. Uh, and here's the thing that I found very interesting is I got to thinking about that word Grinch. And I like to know kind of the meaning behind and where they come from and stuff. You know that's a word that he coined. He made it up in the 50s for that, for that one character for that. If you, that's what the dictionary says anyways. You look at them in the dictionary. So anyways, uh, I thought that was interesting. But think how much now that word Grinch is so common in our vocabulary. I would say you would be hard-pressed to find anybody, you know, of, of any age that didn't know what a Grinch was or what it meant to be. A Grinch. So anyways, the story of the Grinch, many of you know uh, the story, uh, which happens in a town called Whoville, right? The Grinch hated, uh, he hated seeing and hearing uh, all the people celebrating Christmas. So what he does is he tries to figure out a way to stop Christmas from coming to Whoville. Now that kind of sound a little bit familiar, right? And so anyways, uh, uh, he decides that he's going to do that by stealing all the presents, all the decorations, all the special, you know, Christmas food and, and, and everything having to do with Christmas, right? All those things that we look at and we see and we associate with it or he associated with Christmas. He thought that if he would go down there on the night before Christmas and steal all those things, right? He's kind of an anti-Santa Claus, does the opposite. Santa Claus, on the night before Christmas, brings presents. The Grinch, on the night before Christmas, went and stole presents, dressed up as Santa Claus. But anyways, so he decides that if he steals all that stuff, sneaking around the night before, that he would be able to stop Christmas. Of course, if you watch the... You know, it, 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 it was a book, and then it was a cartoon, and then it's been done into a movie a couple of times. So if you, if you watched it, then you know what happens. You know that he's very surprised Christmas morning that his plan did not work. He's shocked. Christmas still comes to Whoville. The people are still happy. They still have gathered around hand in hand 
singing Christmas songs. And in that moment, he learns that Christmas is more than just presents and decorations. The Grinch tried to steal Christmas by taking away everything related to Christmas. But really what it did was it all it did was help all the people in Whoville to focus on what was left, which was actually what was important. I'll say this this morning. I think the world today does a better job of stealing Christmas than the Grinch ever did. And, they, and that's because they don't do it by taking things away. They do it by replacing what is most important in Christmas. They, by doing things to draw our attention away, our focus away from the real meaning of Christmas. I always loved, and I think this is what Cassie was getting at last year, where it says in the, in the movie, it says, Everyone who lived down in Whoville liked Christmas a lot. But the Grinch, who lived just north of Whoville, did not. The Grinch hated Christmas. He hated the whole Christmas season. Now please don't ask why. No one inquired the reason. It could be his head wasn't screwed on just right. It could be, perhaps, that his shoes were too tight. I could agree. I, that, I knew a lady once her shoes were too tight, so maybe that was it, but... Anyways, I want to talk to you this morning about, about Christmas and about the focus of Christmas and how Christmas brings out the best in some people and it brings out the worst in others. We probably You've probably been around enough people in your life to have seen what I'm talking about, right? To have seen people from both persuasions. So this morning, let's take just a moment and let's look at some of the different uh, uh, attitudes that people have toward Christmas. The first one I want to talk about is that some people hate Christmas, right? Have you seen that? You've been around that before, right? Look at our scriptures here this morning. Herod. Herod the Great, right? Uh, he was the first Grinch. Uh, I think that would be pretty fair to say. Uh, he, uh, and I know that hate is a strong word. Uh, but some people have some strong feelings uh, about this time of year. Hey, just look around for a minute. Uh, the ACLU uh, and these different groups like this, uh, uh, they continue to bring lawsuit after lawsuit uh, uh, trying to remove Christ uh, from Christmas, right? You can put up a Christmas tree, but they do not want you to put up a manger scene, right? Uh, you can sing about Frosty, and you can sing about Rudolph and all them others that you want to, but don't mention Christ. The real reason. They don't want you to say Merry Christmas. They want you to say Happy Holidays and Seasons Greetings and things like that. It's all because a small minority of people who hate the true meaning of Christmas. This attitude is nothing new. Look here at Matthew chapter 2. I would say perhaps no human being ever hated Christmas any more than what King Herod did. He tried, if you'll remember the wise men come to visit him, they'd seen the star in the east, they knew uh, that the, the, 
that this king of the Jews had been born. They went to seek him, right? Christ, Jesus. They went, to, they went to find him. They knew Jerusalem would be the place to go. They inquired of the king and Herod uh, trying to devise a way to destroy Christmas. Says, when you find him, come let me know. So I can pay homage. So I can worship. So I can take him gifts. When all he really wanted to do was kill him, right? Kill the Christ child. Destroy Christmas. The wise men were truly wise, though. Because instead of, uh, instead of listening to Herod, they instead listened to God. God came to them in a dream and warned them and told them to go back a different route, to take a different route home, right? Not to return to Herod, not to tell Herod what they had found. And Herod was so consumed with the hate and with anger, right? It had taken root deep inside of him. When he heard uh, what had happened, I mean, think about this hatred he had for someone that he had never even met. And in order to try to prevent Jesus from one day, I mean, think about it. this little infant, or this little, however old he was then, toddler, whatever, he posed no threat to Herod. Herod was going to die in just a few years, right? There was no actual real threat to Herod himself, Herod's dynasty, sure, but not to Herod. But Herod was so consumed with hate that he sent out a decree that all the children, right, in Bethlehem and the coast, the roundabout, thereabout, two years old and under, they were to be put to death. Think about that for a minute. Hatred, if left unattended, will, uh, will affect everything around it. Verse 16 in Matthew chapter 2 says, Then Herod, when he saw that he was mocked to the wise men, was exceeding wroth, and sent forth and slew all the children that were in Bethlehem and in all the coasts thereof from two years old and under, according to the time which he had diligently inquired of the wise men. It shows that, this verse here shows that one stream of hatred runs through and ravages and destroys that which is precious. Verse 18 shows the aftermath of that. In Ramah was there a voice heard, lamentation and weeping and great mourning, Rachel weeping for her children, and would not be comforted because they were not, because of the slaughter that had taken place there. So let me ask you this morning, what is your attitude towards Christmas? Are you one who hates Christmas, like Herod hated Christmas, the Grinch hated Christmas? And I mean, people hate it for a variety of reasons, right? For some, it's because of a difficult childhood. For others, it's an untimely death uh, in the family for others it's just memories of Christmas's past or you could hate it simply because others find enjoyment in something that you've never found Herod's hatred was because of a challenge to his authority and his rule he did what he did not realize was that 
he was allowed to rule by the very one who he hated. His hatred was of the very king of kings and lord of lords. You know, the Bible says not to let the sun go down on our wrath. It, because it very well could turn into hatred. So for some, some people, they add their attitude towards Christmas is they hate Christmas. For others, their attitude is to try to steal Christmas. Right? Again, that was like Herod. That was really what the, what the Grinch did, right? In the little story was that trying to steal Christmas, right? Stealing Christmas is more than just uh, um, filling our pockets or taking gifts from someone else, right? It's, it's diverting people's attention. That's, that is, some people, um, they steal Christmas when they get caught up in other things, right? Uh, anything other than Christ, the true meaning <coughs> of Christmas. Their focus is on worldly aspects uh, of Christmas and those things which become the central focus of their Christmas celebration. And uh, doing so, they rob Jesus of his rightful place. You know... I often look back at my own life, and my journey, and, you know, I've told you this before, I didn't get saved until I, I was 27 years old before I got saved. Um, I didn't, I said that, you know, I'd made the joke about the Grinch because I said I felt like I related with him a lot. I was, I was a Grinch when it came to Christmas time. I still can be a little bit, uh, not near like it was. Um... Even as a lost person, one of my things with Christmas is what it had become. You know, the commercialism. I mean, not that anything is wrong or bad with so many of the things that we do, right? So many of the things are good, right? You know, that we do in the, the gift giving and, and, and all of that, right? But it is... It's the meaning in the heart behind it. It's the focus. It's where is it coming from? You know what I'm saying? And so anyways, when I talk about the stealing of Christmas, I think about the, uh, you know, how there are so many that are looking uh, to do nothing. You know, their focus is in uh, the wrong place, right? Their, their attention is in the wrong place. Uh, uh, and they forget that Christmas is about Emmanuel, God with us, and who came to seek and to save that which was lost. The atmosphere of the Christmas season can either point people to Christ, right, the Christ of Christmas, or it can steal their attention away. So I guess I would have to ask the question on this point, is what about what you do? Does your celebration of Christmas... Um, does it glorify the Christ of Christmas? Or is something else the center of attention? So some people hate Christmas. Some people try to steal 
Christmas. Some people misunderstand Christmas. The Grinch obviously misunderstood what it was all about. Otherwise, he wouldn't have been surprised on Christmas morning that their celebrations went on even without the presents and decorations and food and all those things. Right? Uh, Herod misunderstood uh, what it was all about. He tried to kill the one who came to provide salvation for all. Uh, He completely missed it. Uh, When you look around and you begin to... um, to get the sense of things, right? The malls and the stores and the, you know, all that kind of stuff. It's like they've misunderstood Christmas. They've gotten so busy with the collection of money and absolutely nothing else matters. The only reason that the manger scene and all that goes with it has not been removed from the Christmas displays at the stores and places like that is not because they believe that Jesus saves, but rather because Jesus sells. They know there's still a market there that they can sell those things to. For the most part, though, if you look at the commercial side of Christmas, Jesus has been replaced with Santa Claus, and the shepherds and the sheep have been replaced with reindeer and elves. The star that lights the way, lights the way to a store now. A place to spend, not a place to kneel and worship. Certainly not a place where we can come and adore the Christ of Christmas. Not much has really changed when you start to think about it since the birth of Jesus. There's still no room for him. There was no room for him in the end then and there's no room for him now either out of ignorance many have misunderstood the significance of what's taking place and it's still happening today the significance of the day it gets lost in the business and in the busyness of the day when is the last time that you've took time to think through the meaning of Christmas. Sometimes time, and we get caught up this time of year in gift buying and, you know, meal preparation and getting ready for the big day and everything. It's all overshadowed if we're not careful. We lose sense and we forget what it is. So let let me just finish with this different attitudes towards Christmas. Some people hate Christmas. Some people try to steal Christmas. Some people just completely misunderstand Christmas. But some people, they embrace Christmas. What about Joseph and Mary? Joseph and Mary embrace Christmas even though they risked being misunderstood. Think about Joseph for just a minute. I mean, what if your fiancé come to you? You guys have been doing it the way that you're supposed to. You've never been together, not like that, not like a man and woman. And she comes to you and she says, or it becomes obvious, right, that she's with child, she's pregnant. 
Well, how are you going to feel? What's going to be your reaction? Joseph was going to quietly have her put away. Angel of the Lord comes to him in a dream and says, No, 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 no. This thing is of God. Joseph, though, could have quietly put her away, saved his reputation, and, you know, went on and married somebody else and had a normal life. But he risks being misunderstood and everything that goes with it. Right? The persecution, the, the, the backlash, the lash. I mean, because, okay, the angel of the Lord spoke to Joseph in a dream. Right? And that's how God talked to Joseph. And Joseph believed it. But do you think anybody else around town believed it? I mean, you know, come on. So, Joseph and Mary, they embrace Christmas despite the risk of being misunderstood. The shepherds, right, when we read in Luke chapter 2, they embraced Christmas. They heard the message from the angels themselves, and they responded to the message. And they shared the message. They proclaimed the good news. That's kind of the position that we're in, right? You have heard the message. How are you going to respond to the message? Are you going to proclaim the good news? Or are you just going to sit on it and keep it quiet? It amazes me, church, how many people claim to be Christians, but yet they do nothing for God ever, ever, right? Uh, James, the book of James tells us, James says, uh, you know, faith without works is dead, right? He's like, I'll show you. You say, you want to talk about your faith? I'll show you my faith by my actions, right? So many people, they'll never come out to, they'll never come out, right? Never set any time aside to worship God. They claim to serve Him, but they will not set, they will not make it a priority in their life to worship Him. It's like we miss it. We forget, right? God knew what He was talking about, right? He told us in Hebrews eleven twenty five not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, right? But we're to come together and so much the more as you see the day approaching, right? What day do you think He's talking about? The very day that is coming nearer and nearer on our calendar, right? The coming of the Lord as we see the times changing and the way things are going. We're to gather together that much more in order to to encourage one another, to lift one another up, to worship together in spirit and truth. There's something that you get from corporate worship that you cannot get anywhere else. Unless you, unless you are spiritually fed through prayer and through reading of the Word of God and hearing of the Word of God and worshiping together, you grow spiritually weak until finally you are spiritually dead. How do you respond to the message? Do you share the message? Do you tell other people about Jesus? Sometimes for some of us, we're just shy and backwards, you know, and and maybe that's a truth and maybe that's just a good excuse. And for many of us, we are so spiritually weak because of spiritual malnourishment that we don't have the spiritual strength 
the gumption to stand up. Somebody talking about hearing from that and heard from God in a long time. Well, they're so far away from God, how would they be able to hear from him? Oh, my. The shepherds embrace Christmas. Are you willing to? What about the wise men? <laughs> they embrace Christmas, right? They sought Jesus, right? They sought him out. I'll say this, wise men still yet today seek Jesus, not just then. When they sought him, they found him. They rejoiced, they worshipped, uh, they gave gifts to him. I mean, think about all of that for just a minute. You ever thought about the wise men? And You know, we, we joke and talk about, you know, how many they were, and we don't know how many they were. And, you know, we've talked about some in our Bible study. How did they know what they knew and so on and so forth? And ultimately, it's God, right? God's the one that, that made sure that they had the knowledge that they had. But the point is, is think about the faith that that journey took. Now, I'm not advocating for them where they were at spiritually or whatever. I got no idea. But think about it for just a minute, right? I mean, they come from the other side across the desert, right? Over there in, in you know, Babylon and that area over there in the east. Uh, and, and think about it. They saw this star in the, in the east, which the prophecies of the old told them was a sign that the king of the Jews, the king of kings, and the Lord of lords, right? The savior of the world is to be born, right? And so they knew that they had to go see him. They had to take gifts and they had to go worship him. And just think about it. They prepared for that journey, right? And all they had was a star to follow. And what they do, they saddle up them old camels and they kiss mama on the baby's goodbye. And they said, I don't know when we'll be back. Don't know what this journey has got for us. But they were willing to go. They were willing to step out and to do it in order to seek the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, in order to, I mean, to the Messiah, the one that had been prophesied of, go and to worship Him. Right? Too many today won't even roll out of bed to go worship Him. They took great gifts and come a far distance to worship one simply because of a sign in the sky that had been prophesied hundreds of years before that. What are you willing to do? How far are you willing to go? I guess a measure might be how wise are you? And as we look down through the corridors of time, we can see many, many others throughout all the ages. who've embraced Christmas, though it may have cost them everything. Ones burned on the cross, right? Ones that have been executed, killed. People even to this very day in other parts of the world losing their head because of their faith in Christ. Many through the ages have embraced Christmas regardless of the cost though it might have meant being simply misunderstood, or it might have meant suffering hardship, 
persecution or even death. So let me ask you this morning, what is your attitude toward Christmas? Will you embrace Christmas? Will you risk being misunderstood? Will you risk possible hardship or even persecution for the cause of Christ? Would you be willing to devote your life to him? You, you understand that that means like doing something, right? That doesn't just mean thinking happy thoughts and going on about life like, like nothing ever happened, right? And just trying to think your happy thoughts. That's what Christianity for so many is boiled down to. It's just a way to think happy thoughts and, you know, just be happy. If that's your religion, you do realize that you are your own God, right? You're the center of the universe and you're all that matters. That's a philosophy that the world teaches today. That's not what the Bible teaches. That's not what Christmas is about. It may actually cost you something. As a matter of fact, I would say if it doesn't cost you anything, of what value is it to you? Did your salvation cost you? No. Jesus paid it all. He paid the price in full on Calvary's cross. But let me. But do not be fooled. Do not misunderstand. If you are going to serve him, if you're going to follow him, it will cost you. It will cost you. Are you willing? Are you willing? That's what we worship. That's what Christmas is all about. I mean the very God of the universe leaving the splendors of heaven, setting aside the robes of glory to be born in the most humble of means. In a place where there was not even room for him to a people who would reject him, his own people in order to give his life and to die so that we might have life. That's what Christmas is about. That's, we're celebrating the, the entrance of God into the world, the Savior of all mankind. That is something to rejoice about. That's something to shout about. That's something to be excited about. That is something worth telling other people about. That's something worth celebrating. That's something worth emulating. So, what's going to be your attitude this Christmas? As Jennifer comes for a song of invitation, where is your heart? Where is your attitude? Where is your thoughts this morning? The season. Are you going to be like the Grinch? Would you stand to your feet? I want to open the altar and I want to give you an opportunity to come this morning. Spirit of God dealing with you, would you come this morning? If you've got a need, if you've got a burden, would you come this morning? Whatever it is, would you come this morning? Don't miss this opportunity. Would you come?